Hello, I'm David Hardacre, and this is the Finzia podcast series on fintech, where digital disruption comes to financial services. We're exploring the big question. Will digital innovators kill the incumbents of banking and finance? I'm an entrepreneur, so I like to bring new things uh, to life. Uh, I like to challenge uh, the status quo and are particularly attracted to compete with the establishment. That's Jost Stolman, the born disruptor. He's the CEO of Australia's first fintech called Tyro which has now spawned Sydney's first fintech hub as a home for entrepreneurs with ideas which can disrupt financial services. On the way, Tyro has become the first and only tech company in Australia to gain a full banking licence. It's been a long, hard road, more than a decade, with many lessons on what it means to truly disrupt the financial order. It all started in 2004. Jos Stolman left behind a distinguished career in Germany and took his wife and children off on his ocean cruiser to discover the world. Well, uh, it, it was uh, an act of destiny because our boat uh, uh, rode with eight knots in, into an undocumented reef in Fiji. I need to survey the boats. The, pla- the closest place to pull it out of the water was Brisbane. We came to Sydney, had a beautiful 14 days under sun and saw the best of the city. My wife said, uh, this is where I'm going to stay and the kids also stay here. So I concluded that I belong here. Now, that's all going back about 11 years, I guess. What possessed you to, to start the Tyro company? Well, it's the reality is one of the big things in Sydney is the financial services industry. I met three highly gifted uh, engineers who had uh, already successfully sold two companies. They just created uh, their third company. And uh, at the same time, Ian McFarlane got tired of the lack of innovation and competitive tension in the Australian payment space. This is Ian McFarlane, governor of the, of the Reserve Bank at the time. That, that's right. Uh, he created a bank license and an access regime to attract non-banks, but nobody came except the three Aussie engineers with a PowerPoint presentation. So tell me, how much encouragement did you get from Ian McFarlane? Ah, I think it was uh, absolutely tremendous. Now, you have to see that uh, I came uh, with an entrepreneurial success story uh, that I had delivered in Germany by building uh, the biggest network system integrator and having sold it to GE Capital US. I was shadow minister for Gerhard Schröder. So uh, there was a certain credibility that came with me. You know, it's, it's very, really unu- unusual that the, the governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia would say, I'm supporting a startup to enter the payment space, which is critical for the function of an economy. I mean, it's, this is a very painful trade-off of innovation versus stability, and he gave us a, a go at it. Tell me how hard it has been since then to actually make it work? Well, it's incredibly hard. The first problem is that obviously the major banks see no reason why a new entrant should get access to the core banking system. And if at some point they uh, gradually have to admit they have to grant the access, 
then they have no skills and competence of granting it because they never had to. This is a very closed world where um, no, nobody had to ever to think about how to accommodate a new entrant. You know, what the access protocol is, uh, settlement agreements. Uh, it is unnecessarily hard when uh, access is not granted or uh, when uh, there are unnecessary barriers and anti-competitive behavior stifling innovation. And a lot of that was and is still a challenge here in Australia. So tell me about the, the, the years of work that you've put into this. Well, the company was founded in February 2003, and uh, uh, I think if I can remember well, the business plan was that possibly it could cost $2 million to get to break even in two years and a half or something like this. Uh, well, nine years later and $34 million later, we reached break even. One of the big challenges is market access and scaling up such a business. And uh, we were very fortunate because the then uh, Minister of the Department of Human Services was Joe Hockey. He pushed the banks to uh, process the Medicare rebates via the domestic debit card system. I mean, that's a good idea to use established infrastructure. Only the banks didn't want to come to the party. But Tyro came. So finally, CBA and Tyro signed a contract uh, for this rebating, and now we are the market leader because we have an awesome solution that allows in a Medicare practice to get your rebate within 11 seconds into your bank account. It's really fantastic. Tyro payments grew and it developed partnerships, which meant it would provide the software for payments in health, hospitality and retail outlets. So when you pay by card from your table in a restaurant, it's more than likely it will be done through Tyro. The next step was Tyro's full banking licence. It only came through in late 2015, 11 years after that meeting with the Governor of the Reserve Bank. It's made Tyro the first and only Australian tech company to hold a full banking licence, and that changes everything. Ah, it's uh, absolutely huge. Just imagine uh, that uh, we recently uh, went and raised $100 million uh, with three investors. One is Tiger Global New York, who is a proven picker of fabulous technology stories. They're an early investor into Facebook, Apple, and LinkedIn. They picked us. There is a significant faith in uh, what we are proposing now. And what it really means is, can we create the next generation bank? So it's a banking institution, and we are targeting small, medium enterprise, uh, startups and high growth companies, the ones that are the worst served by the banking establishment, who are, however, the most important ones for the prosperity of Australia. Tyro's been joined by Mike Cannon-Brooks, the co-founder and CEO of Australian software company Atlassian, which soared on its debut on the NASDAQ last year. Our mission as a company is to unleash the potential of every team. And we're often asked why it is that we spend so much time focusing on teams. We think that society spends far too much time focused on individuals. Individuals are amazing. Creative geniuses that got things started, we should give them the praise that they deserve. 
But at the same time, they almost inevitably have a huge team behind them who's actually getting the work done. Mike Cannon-Brooks is now a non-executive director of Tyro and an investor in the company. And he adds to Tyro's reputation as a serious disruptor of the established order. So, having broken through more than a decade of resistance, how far does Jos Stolman believe fintech can go and grow? It, it's very difficult to uh, predict how it finally falls out. Look at the payments, how many different uh, players entered the market with huge ambitions. And uh, this is a huge space. Uh, there is significant importance in deep banking skills. Uh, I rather believe that there is an expansion of market, there is more competitive innovation and tension which will get the establishment to raise their games uh, and there will be a lot of new players so that consumers, businesses have more choice. So what do you think of the way fintechs are going about their business? Can they really disrupt the established players and are they really disrupting the established players in Australia? I think we have to distinguish uh, uh, what fintech players we're actually talking about. There's a lot of uh, fintech innovation around the user experience, and that makes a lot of sense. People are used to have an enticing experience when they buy something online or when they consume news online. The banking experience is, aw is awful. So uh, lots of these companies are bringing these uh, good user experience to the um, banking and financial services industry. And that's very good. But what they are doing is they're the front end of the banks. Sooner or later, I would assume that the banks will either catch up or buy them. But that's, these are good business systems. Uh, then there's another uh, play where fintech uh, company will build up a good user experience and will throw in data analytics and algorithms and disintermediate the core banking system. For instance, by funding through the shadow banking industry, which uh, see this um, uh, with market-based lenders and so. Now, taking banks head on, that is very hard and very rare. Here in Australia, I'm only aware of the Tyro story. Because in order to really do this, you have to be good at, you have to be awesome at technology, providing new tailored solutions that make a huge difference for consumers. And you have to be good at being a regulated entity and living within the core banking system. And to bring these two together, that, that is an, a very interesting challenge. That's one of the, one of the aspects that fascinates me, particularly with Tyro. The only stories where there is a similar aspiration that I'm aware of is in the UK. The UK has uh, opened up the banking system and at the moment there are, I think, 13 applications in various stages where people uh, in the UK want to pull something off like Tyro has started in 2005. With a banking licence and with a record as an innovator in payments, Tyro has moved to create more fintechs. In the first half of 2015, Tyro established the first fintech hub in Australia, where we are now. If I'm competing now head-on with the, with the oligopoly, mm. and I have 250 people, okay, and we have grown them last year with 74%, and we continue to go as fast as we can, mm. I'm still a rounding error if I want to have a real impact. Thus comes the idea, in order to have a real disruptive impact, we need an ecosystem. We need others who, in one way, form or shape, join. 
So we have more solutions we can compete. It's a different way to think. It's a real alternative to big regulated institutions. The Tyro FinTech Hub is housed in an old deco building in Sydney's CBD. It's open plan with long desks and room enough for over 100 fintech entrepreneurs in various stages and guises. At Dean Swan, our business is Hum, and uh, we've developed a product which is, uh, I'd call it, mobile commerce and e-procurement uh, for the hospitality industry. Right, so I'm, I'm rattling around on your desk here, yes. and I've seen, here's a book which says Reshaping Retail, which is possibly a clue to what you're, yeah. uh, what you're up yeah, exactly. to. So <laughs> what particularly are you doing through, and what, how are you doing it with software? Yeah, so um, I think Australians love the convenience and the freedom of being able to shop uh, using your mobile device and uh, we're bringing that experience into the SMB space. So with Hum Hospitality, restaurants, bars, cafes, we'll be able to procure all of their suppliers across fresh produce, their grocery supplies and everything through a uh, mobile app. And uh, so that makes it more efficient for them, but uh, also frees up a lot of their time and resource to focus on their business. Patrick Crivelli is the co-founder of a business called Post Invoice. And we're a funding platform. Um, we allow small businesses to upload their invoices and sell them uh, to investors. Uh, and this, this stems from the problem that most small businesses have, and that is that they are uh, a funding gap, um, which is caused by payment, drawn out payment terms from their customers. Um, so we, we allow them to uh, take those invoices uh, and, then, and then sell them and realise the cash up front. Name's Simon Weeks, I'm one of the co-founders at Cashba, like the uh, friendly ghost but with cash. Um, we are developing, close to finished we hope, uh, a financial communications and transaction system that makes it really easy for people to um, send and receive money anywhere in the world. Um, it doesn't use payment gateways. So what that means is that people aren't bound to be using any bank system and it hopefully means it's cheaper so it's going to be better for businesses and better for consumers and introduce competition to the banking sector. Jody Baker acts as a mentor to startups at the Tyro Hub. So they'll need mentoring on lots of different things. Um, so it might be from law or HR or whatever. So, but from my perspective, I'm an analyst. And uh, so what I tend to specialise in is um, looking at strategy and doing gaps analysis about their business, um, but also then uh, looking at funding. So, you know, that's another thing that I do. So it's sort of like looking at the whole of their company, but there's some things obviously I can't mentor in which would be like you. You enjoy working with the company? I love this. So, and this one, um, I started working in banking finance in the, in the in the 80s when so when the market's deregulated I started off working at, at Chase and Bank of Trust and that's a lot of innovation a lot of energy I regard this as very similar um, atmosphere a lot of innovation a lot of energy things can happen it seems to be happening quickly but also it happens quite slowly but so it's people just all getting in a room together it's great minds thinking there's you know there's whiteboards there's ideas creation that people go in one direction and they've actually got some work so yeah people are still people at the end of the day and and the innovate the things have been you know the innovation is different but the methodology is probably very similar the tyro fintech hub opened its doors in february 2015 and it's headed by andrew corbett jones 
The reputation that we're trying to build here at the Tyro FinTech Hub is that we are born from Australia's oldest FinTech, um, one of Australia's most successful FinTechs, and those of us running the hub are also entrepreneurs. So, so this is an entrepreneur-centric hub. Because we have Tyro underwriting it, um, we have great independence. Yost is very laissez-faire with the companies that come into the hub. He is truly seeking to do what he can to build the ecosystem. That's his aim. Let's go to some nuts and bolts. Um, what sorts of ventures are, are being undertaken here at the Tyro FinTech Hub? Um, we have the full gamut. Um, we have people involved in, uh, in Bitcoin, in blockchain. Uh, we do have some payments companies. Uh, we have some remittance companies. You name it. It's one of the challenges also of running a hub like this in that financial services is so big, so broad, so deep um, that you can be talking about uh, trading gold in the afternoon, Bitcoin in the morning and something at lunchtime and uh, sometimes it does your head in. Okay, so the stereotype is that you might, you know, you'll have a, a typically a young man with the cap on back to front and maybe on a skateboard. Is that, is that anything near the reality of who's becoming a fintech entrepreneur here? You know, there's a few that have tried that, but it's, it's different in, in financial services. You're, you're dealing with people's money. So um, there's greater interest from the government in how you do that. So there's greater regulation. Um, it, it's more serious, if you like. It's also much more complicated. You know, look at Tyro's story. Uh, it's, it's the overnight 12-year success, you know. Um, so what we are seeing and, and what really excites us is your 30-something, your 40-something, even your 50-somethings coming out of an organisation like a bank or a trading company or an insurance company, having spotted a problem, having thought of a way to solve that problem, but frustrated within their organisation and wanting to come out and do that themselves. Now, that's exciting because it means that we have people coming out who are um, well-versed in financial services, who understand the problem intricately because they've lived and breathed it for a long time, but most importantly know who to sell that solution to once it's built. The flip side though is that often they don't know a great deal about running a startup and that's where we can provide a great deal of help. I mean, what, what really attracts you about the Tyro model? Again, going back to what we say, is we are very entrepreneur focused. So some of our entrepreneurs currently work in banks and don't want them don't want the banks to know what they're doing. But down the track, they might... You mean they're actually working here on the sly, as it were, from their, from their bank day job? That's exactly what I mean. Um, it's hilarious. It's life. It's great. It's fantastic. It, it's innovation. But, but at some point, they might want to sell their product back to a bank or their own bank. So the great thing about the hub is that uh, we engage with the banks... Um, but we can control when they engage with our entrepreneurs. I don't think it's black and white that, that you're either disrupting the banks or you want to work with the banks. I think it depends what stage you're at. Have you pivoted your company? Uh, is, it, is it wise for you to be acquired by a bank? And we can't predict that. So, so some of our entrepreneurs don't want anything to do with the banks. Some of our entrepreneurs want to sell to the banks badly or to be acquired by them. We just need to understand at what stage they're at and help them with those relationships. The Tyro FinTech Hub is the first, but it's not the only FinTech Hub in Sydney. Last year, another FinTech Hub opened called Stone and & Chalk. And unlike Tyro, it's fully backed by the establishment of the financial services industry. Jost Stolman. 
Uh, I think it's important to have uh, choice, uh, alternatives. Uh, that's why I'm extremely happy that there's a, a stone and chalk. Uh, I would think that uh, the Tyro FinTech hub may be a slightly different position. So uh, Tyro itself is a successful uh, fin. We're probably now, the word didn't exist, but we would probably be coined now as the oldest fintech uh, startup of Australia. So there is a certain affinity to that and to the entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe also a little bit more to this disruption versus the, uh, uh, the partnering. Uh, but I don't really know. I mean, there is a company that, the companies should look at Stone and Shock, they should look at uh, Tyro and pick their choice. In our next podcast, we go inside Stone and Chalk and a very different way of doing business. We've got 22 corporate partners now and a large number of them are banks, um, such as you know, Macquarie, uh, Westpac, ANZ, Suncorp. Others are a big superannuation and insurers like you know, AMP, IAG. But interestingly and importantly, we've also got um, technology partners.